0: Welcome to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. I thank you for joining us, and I'm sad to say that our co-host, Mark Danis, is gone. However, he will be back with us next Monday on April 30th. And at that time, we're going to return to our series on the holy face of Jesus devotion. And that will be the second program in a series of four. So if you missed our program on that, it is archived on www.radiomaria.us. And you look under programs and you will find that archived. And you can listen in and catch up for our, our program on that topic next week. And... Uh, last week, I had said that we were going to do favorite Carmelite books this week. Well, I have a surprise for you. God has a better plan. Uh, due to a now availability of our guest from last week, we are now going to be able to continue the conversation that we began last Monday night on Divine Mercy, St. Faustina, and the Carmelites. So it is with great joy that I welcome back our guest, Deacon Russell Baldwin from St. Peter's in Huber Heights, Ohio.
1: Well, it's a real pleasure to be back and uh, glad to be here to finish up our talk on divine mercy. It's uh, a subject that uh, we didn't finish last time for good reason. It's endless.
0: And isn't it wonderful that God made you available so that you could come back? Oh,
1: I'm I'm very glad to be here. Thank you, Francis.
0: And praise God for that. And as we do each time, we would like to begin our program with prayer. So I'm going to turn that over to Deacon Baldwin and ask him, would you please lead us in a prayer?
1: I'd be happy to. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You expired Jesus, but the source of life gushed forth for souls, and the ocean of mercy opened up for the whole world. O fount of life, unfathomable divine mercy, envelop the whole world and empty yourself out upon us. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
0: Amen. Thank you. So tonight is the second of two on Divine Mercy. Last week we talked about the Divine Mercy Devotion and St. Faustina and some of the similarities between St. Faustina and our dear Carmelite St. Therese, which as Deacon Baldwin and I continued studying this topic, we learned there was even more connections. So um, we might get into that. But to start out, we want to just review the five forms of the Divine Mercy Devotion. Deacon Baldwin, would you please do that for us?
1: Sure. The first uh, form of devotion is the image itself. Uh, And the image is just a beautiful painting of our Lord with two rays emanating from his sacred heart, Uh, a a pale ray, which stands for the water, uh, which makes souls righteous, and a red ray that stands for the blood, which is literally the lifeblood of our souls. The uh, second uh, uh, form of devotion is the Feast of Divine Mercy, which is the Sunday after Easter, the second Sunday of Easter, and uh, has been proclaimed by John Paul II as uh, Divine Mercy Sunday, uh, which we just did, uh, oh, let's see, that was two Sundays, two Sundays back yes. now. So uh, it really gives us a connection between the Easter mystery of redemption, that is the suffering, death, burial and resurrection and ascension of our lord really the paschal mystery in a in a nutshell uh, and the divine graces that flowed from that paschal mystery
0: and in case you missed that feast we can still celebrate this divine mercy in these other three ways
1: Every day at the hour of great mercy at 3 p.m., we can implore our Lord's mercy, especially for sinners. It's the uh, uh, ninth hour after our Lord's death. Uh, And uh, oh, I'm sorry. At the ninth hour, our Lord's death, if you counted in the uh, hours of the day, was at 3 p.m. And that is the. A perfect time just to implore our Lord's mercy for sinners, uh, and it doesn't have to be. You know, ideally, it would be the Divine Mercy Chaplet, but it can be something as, as, uh, uh, as simple as saying, uh, uh, "Jesus, I trust in you," which is the uh, famous, uh, famous uh, invocation, if you will, from the Divine Mercy Chaplet.
0: And I remember in the Diary of Saint Faustina, from which we get a lot of this information, uh, our Lord had said to Faustina, if she could just peek into to the chapel and, you know, go through the stations of the cross at that time, or at least just give a few minutes, you know, thinking of his great divine mercy for souls. So we can do that too. And if we can't get into a chapel, we can always go into the interior of our own soul and meet Jesus there in the tabernacle of our hearts and, you know, give him, surrender all to him and and tell him, Jesus, I trust in you.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. The fourth one is the chaplet itself. And it's, uh, uh, we really don't have time to go through how exactly to say it, but there are lots of pamphlets out there. But it's formed after the rosary. So if you can say the rosary, uh, uh, you're, uh, you've got a, a big step into, uh, being able to say the chaplet.
0: Yeah, it's quicker and it's easier to remember everything about it. In fact, you can go to www.thedivinemercy.org and there's tons of information. Right there, from um, Stockholm, Mass or Stockbridge, uh, Massachusetts, um, where one of the orders is promoting the Divine Mercy devotion.
1: And it's, it's just a, a, a wonderful devotion, one in which we can, uh, really, uh, have a ministry towards those souls that out there that, uh, uh, do not even know that they need our Lord's mercy. Uh, that's really our calling as Catholics is the salvation of souls, and this is a great way to go about it.
0: And then we have the final, the fifth form of the devotion. What would that be?
1: That is the novena, which is a nine-day prayer that our Lord gave to Faustina uh, 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 with a different intention for each day. Uh, uh, sh- should we go through all the intentions? <laughs>
0: no, I think I'm going to send you to the website to go check okay. that out. But it is wonderful that it, it encompasses so many different categories of souls, and they're beautiful prayers. So I highly encourage you to become acquainted with that if you don't already know it.
1: One thing I would like to uh, talk about just real briefly about a novena is that it's a prayer that's a hopeful mourning. It's really a a novena has a different character, uh, and I thought that that was really a, a, a neat insight into this type of prayer because it's mourning for our sins and hope in his mercy. And so that, that really encompasses what we're asking for in each one of those nine days.
0: And this hope for mercy, I think, was really made clear when John Paul II uh, canonized Faustina as a saint, the first saint of the the millennium of, of the year 2000. And, of course, now we, we know Pope Benedict XVI has put out the encyclical on hope. And so uh, we can be hopeful because of God's great mercy. And that kind of leads us into something else that um, we wanted to talk about. It's called the five stages of mercy of God. Now, I don't know exactly where this comes from other than I found it. Um, on the Catholic forum, a blog, um, written by a person under the name of Blessed Star. And they pointed this out and it is particularly, um, geared toward our Carmelites. So I'm going to have us go through these five stages, um, and give it as food for thought. I, I don't say that this is hard, fast uh, theology or or this is strict. You've got to believe this. But this is an approach that I thought was very interesting. Um, so I'm going to say what the, the stages are. Um, and then I'm going to ask Deacon Baldwin to uh, talk a little bit about that. So the first mercy would be the solitude of the internal journey to faith. And then the powerful conversion. So, Deacon Baldwin, could you uh, tell us a little bit about that?
1: Well, I think the thing that characterizes this first mercy, when I first read about, uh, you know, the solitude of the internal journey, the first thing that came to mind was firm resolve. That is we know something is missing, and we 're determined to start on that journey to uh, uh, towards god 's mercy and Maybe we take some missteps along the way but but uh, we have a zeal for God, one that that uh, 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 that we 're just determined to follow through
0: The thought that came to me was being alone with the alone you know <laughs> being alone. alone with God, <laughs> so in the interior of your soul. So, um, but you know, this can go back as far as Elijah. Uh, because of his great zeal for God which consumed him you know he fought the great battle on um, the mountain uh, against all those followers of Baal and you know said you know the the contest uh, with the the sacrifice and you know the burnt offering and everything and of course uh, Elijah puts water on top of it and he's making fun of the Baal prophets you know well you know God hasn't devoured your sacrifice so maybe he's sleeping maybe you should pray harder and and it goes on and on and and you can read about that in um, the old testament under kings Um, but anyway so god does consume the one that elijah the sacrifice he put on the altar
1: and that's where i think the firm resolve comes in because elijah was determined to do what was right and to uh, uh, continue in the face of opposition
0: and of course the opposition was pretty strong i mean all these other prophets had already killed and of course when Elijah finishes this um, he's saying now you know people make your stand take your stand you know who is God and um, of course now he thinks that probably he's going to be hunted down Mm -hmm. so he goes out into the desert and, and is really ready to just give it over you know and yet uh uh, god provides for him even then so again this first mercy this solitude of the internal journey to faith and then a powerful conversion so god is calling us to him and it is up to us to respond right exactly god's always calling so oh lord have mercy and help us to respond <laughs> okay that leads us to this second mercy which is purgation and illumination what do you think about that
1: well you know saint Teresa of avila had many visions and received lots of uh uh uh, lights if you will of prayer but she also suffered terribly and even called herself a wretched woman because after such light that came to her from god she saw herself as as dust and you know As I'm reading the saints, you know, I don't know if you've come across this, but a lot of times if you read the prefaces of the books, you see these saints just really kind of kind of denigrating themselves and saying, hey, I'm nothing and and uh, rigid
0: worm. uh, Right,
1: right. And so on. (laughs) And I used to think. You know, well, that's just kind of the style of the time. But I, th- I think I'm starting to see some insight into how they are aware of the many graces they have received and how poorly they themselves have responded to those. And so they look at it more in the light of, if anyone else on earth had received as many graces as I have, they would have been an even more perfect saint. They would have used them in a better way. Uh, and so I think not, it's not actually just some sort of self-denigrating, oh, don't look at me, but really praise me. You know, so false humility. It is a true humility that they have gained, uh, uh, realizing how poorly they've, they've used the grace God gave them. And, and when I think of how poorly they have thought how God, the great, they've used the graces God has given them,
0: yeah. Oh, I'm boy.
1: encouraged to be a lot more humble. <laughs>
0: Aren't we glad they're ahead of us so they can pray for us and exactly. <laughs> intercede for us? Well, you know, I'm reminded of a conversation that I had with a, a high school religion teacher. And, um, you know, I, we both came to an idea that, oh, we both knew St. Teresa of Avila. We'd read her books, you know, and uh, we were talking about the high school uh, religion department. And she was saying how she has those texts available, you know, like the interior castle, the way. Perfection, uh, uh, the book of her life, uh, and these are all Teresa Avila's texts, and um, how she was a little bit leery of letting some of her high school students read those without guidance. Mm. And I said, Well, why is that? You know, because me being a Carmelite, you know, I just love these texts, and I think everybody, <laughs> I think if I were a junior in high school and had these texts in front of me, I would have been so grateful. But of course, we do know that, you know, they grow on us and that, you know, we continue growing through them and more and more layers. So, but I said, Well, what is it that bothers you about that, and she said, well, because Teresa kept talk talking about herself as a wretched worm, you know, and how bad she is, and um uh, she asked me about that because you know uh high school kids, if they are reading that, you know, then they can take that as a false humility, mm-hmm. and they can be putting themselves down as a doormat, and that's not what we want, and that's no. certainly not what Teresa of Avila was doing, but I said to her. Um, you know what I think? I I think Teresa was just so enlightened about who God was because of her deep prayer mm-hmm. um, that it made it much more clear who she was. In God's sight you know we we are his beloved child but he is God and and in that deep prayer she's seeing more and more of His greatness is infiniteness and so consequently that's how she can see herself as so such a wretched worm
1: well and I think as we appreciate our position in the universe yes <laughs> and how that's where the illumination comes in and where the gratitude flows from our hearts saying How infinite you are, how little I am, and yet you still choose to love me, to work through me. And that's where the gratitude flows and the true humility comes in. Because true humility is seeing yourself as God sees you.
0: In the truth.
1: (laughs) Correct. Yeah, absolutely. But And God sees you as a beloved child.
0: Yes. Oh, thank you for pointing that out. Listeners, we need to hear that often, don't we? We are beloved children of God the Father. We are his princes and princesses. We are a child of the God, noble lineage here. But now we got to act like it, right? (laughs) Okay, well, that leads us to this third mercy. So this gets deeper and deeper as we speak. The third mercy is love between lovers, the human lover and the divine lover.
1: This is one that is just so rich in not only imagery but in in uh, 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 in it 's just so hard to say I mean when you think about the love between two lovers, I mean they would do anything for the beloved and this is this is one that uh, uh, I just think about two people in love and Not, not, not the superficial, gosh, I just love being around you because of how it makes me feel. I mean, that is just so, so superficial. Like a
0: lot of the Hallmark cards. Oh, Oh, yeah. Excuse me, not just Hallmark, just a lot of cards are like that. A lot of greeting cards. Excuse me. Put them down like that. But, uh,
1: uh, but it's doing whatever is best for the beloved for their own sake. That's what true love is and how how we're willing to suffer for the beloved and how we're willing to uh, 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 love them in the way that we are called to love someone else, just completely unselfishly. You know, we, we so often hear 1 Corinthians 13 in wedding ceremonies. It's living that out. It's living the Beatitudes. It's living the life that we're called to as Catholics. It's falling in love with God.
0: Oh, and that's so awesome. And, of course, we think of the church as being the bride of Christ. And so we have that sense of the divine lover and the human love and the humanness of our um, of our Catholic faith, of our church. And, of course, it's not perfect because it's peopled by sinners. And yet the divine life throws through us because of the great graces of our Lord. And so... Um, Yes, this, this mercy of the love between the lovers. Okay, that takes us to the n- next mercy, the fourth mercy, which is faith proven in the dark striving, upheld in unperceptible grace from God. So faith proven in the dark striving.
1: Well, so often as we mature through uh, our, our walk with God, he will for reasons known to him and the particular individual he's he's dealing with, he'll withdraw these feelings that we have of love. And all of a sudden we're left with, well, I, I thought I thought we were in love. I thought, you know, how come I'm not getting this feeling anymore? And oftentimes he will do that. So that to prove to our so we can prove to ourselves that i 'm not in love with a feeling i 'm in love with you,
0: yes, which takes an act of the will
1: exactly, exactly, and I think that 's an important point to expand upon a little bit. I mean, what do we mean by act of the will?
0: Well, it's when we make a purposeful choice. We don't just act in habit or um, in you know, oh, what do I get out of it? But it, it is choosing to do good. Um, you know, our, our soul, the the three highest faculties: the memory, the intellect, and the will. And those three faculties—memory, intellect, and will—help us to grow in virtue and to uh, set our eyes in faith to God. So, by making an act of the will. We are not just responding in a lower level just by our senses or habit or instinct, but, but we are choosing, uh, with the, the intellect and the memory in our, in our hope and our love and our faith. Because faith is, is not, you know, always something that we can see. You know, faith is, a, is a choice in the darkness. Uh, but it is because of our hope and our love that we can act in faith.
1: And so often we, uh, uh, we, uh, where, and, and actually as you were saying that, I was thinking, well, where is feeling in all that? And I answered myself, nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> nowhere is feeling in all that because feeling really is the caboose, if you will, of our train. Yeah. You know, and if we let the caboose run it, then uh, we're not going to be going in the right direction.
0: And, and feelings can uh, get us off track. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> that caboose can fall off. <laughs> so we have to, you know, go beyond the feeling. And, you know, St. Therese is a great um, example of this because in the last 18 months of her life, she had a trial of faith. And uh, which was incredible because, you know, she never doubts God, but she is tempted with the idea that heaven is not real. And all of her life, of course, she's seeing heaven is real. And suddenly that there's a veil put over it and she is tempted greatly about this faith. And yet she continues to act, uh, make acts of faith to choose with her will to believe you know, in spite of the feeling or the perception, you know, that it is not real. So I, I think she really helped a lot of people come to the faith because of her taking on their lack of faith mm-hmm. uh, sort of in, in that capacity as a victim soul. Um, so she is a great saint for those who you want to bring back to the faith to ask her to intercede.
1: Is this the uh, dark night of the soul St. John of yes, the Cross is I, talking about? I
0: was just going to go there, and you jumped <laughs> me on that. How, so how do you see this, St. John the Cross on the dark night of the soul?
1: In what way?
0: Well, you know, there's the dark night of sense and the dark night of spirit. And those dark nights are are called dark for good reason. St. John says that because we don't really understand it. We're like, you know, here we are on a nice high and we do all these things for the Lord. And, you know, we're having these great feelings in prayer. And then suddenly that's withdrawn.
1: Yeah, it's like the rug being pulled out from under you. Yeah, And I, I think it's akin to. Maybe what Jesus was feeling on the cross when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken oh,
0: me? Oh Boy, that's the biggest dark night, isn't it?
1: Oh, and and but again, going back and and not not to minimize what people go through, but really the the remedy is just that act of the will, knowing who it is that we are loving and knowing that they will not forsake us and just an act of the will, gritting your teeth and saying, God. For whatever reason, I know that you're putting me through this, but I also know that you love me and that that this is for my own good, and I choose to love you in return. And
0: we know, as always, God is the only one who can draw good out of the evil. Mm -hmm. And so when you said those words of Jesus on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's like, you know, Jesus realizes that, you know, he is in a forsaken place now because God has withdrawn his favor, and yet... He still starts out with, my God, my God. So he's still believing in God. So if Jesus dying on the cross can say that, how can we say there is no God? You know, exactly. isn't that amazing? And here Jesus is laying it all along the line because of his great love for us. So if we want to understand more about this dark night of the soul, which has the dark night of the sense and dark night of the spirit, you can go back to the archives from Carmelite Conversations. And uh, Mark and I have had this conversation about John of the Cross and the dark night. And you can find it on www.radiomaria.us under Programs and under the Archives for Karma-like Conversations. And so that's going to lead us to the Fifth Mercy. But before that, I just want to remind you, if you want to participate in our conversation, please call toll-free at one 333 629 We are going to have to take a little bit of a break now. We always get into these conversations and time flies by. But it is time for our break, so we'll take a little break right now and then we'll come back with the Fifth Mercy. let We're talking about the five mercies of the Lord, and we were at the fifth mercy. And this fifth mercy is, of course, the cross, the pinnacle, the greatest and final mercy of union to suffer for love of God and neighbor. So Deacon Baldwin, that's a big one. It is. Can you tell us something about that?
1: Well, this is where, I mean, and that's why they call it the mercy of union. It's where we become one with our Lord, and that was the highest form of his, or the highest manifestation, if you will, of his mercy was sacrifice. And so this is where we say, all right, Lord, I want to Be one with you. I want to sacrifice as you did and offer up all our trials and tribulations for the salvation of souls. Offer our sacrifices. As we said last time, when St. Paul said, in my own body, I am making up what was lacking in the cross of Christ.
0: And not that Jesus didn't do everything because he did, but he wants us to participate with him, doesn't he?
1: Absolutely. And that's what's lacking in is the our cross part. of Christ is our participation in it. So St. Paul is really saying something that was directed to us, not directed to our Lord as if something was missing in his sacrifice, because his sacrifice was perfect. Yes. His sacrifice redeemed us, but he calls us to participate in that sacrifice.
0: And that means we are all called, right? Exactly. And we can all participate because we all have suffering in our lives, do we not?
1: Oh, Suffering every day, every day, and and some of it is just little suffering. Like, you know, uh, people didn't take my advice. People didn't come and ask me things about what I thought about suffering, and that's really uh, a God exercising. Our humility, or asking us to exercise some humility, so little crosses like that, uh, as well as big ones,
0: right? And uh, you know, I'm thinking of the road rage. Oh, somebody took your turn at the light. Well, you know, don't kick it upset. You know, we mess up all the time, and if if somebody messes up and and we don't, you know, well, it's okay because you know, Lord knows we've messed up many times and haven't been caught or called out on it. Mm -hmm. So let's just offer that up for all those times we have and haven't been caught. But, you know, every little thing, every hurt, every pain, every emotional suffering, mental suffering, any weather related, oh, people are always complaining about the weather, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, of course, we've got a glorious day today. But, um, you know, that every day is, is God's glory, you know, in one way or another, you know, so look for it. Um, but yes, we can offer up so much. Uh, let's just offer it up in union with Jesus, and it'll do so much good uh, for the redemption of souls.
1: And I think that, uh, you know, it's certainly true with the little things in our life. But, Francis, there are people out there carrying huge burdens. Absolutely. I mean, we're not talking about, uh, hey, somebody cut me off on the highway, but loss of jobs, loss of loved ones,
0: paralysis, uh, uh, uh,
1: sickness, uh, uh, victims of crime that are just really. Hurting And and those are the ones that the Lord just gives us a super abundance of grace to cover those and, and give us the ability to forgive, give us the ability to offer those tragedies in our lives that you just cry out and wonder, God, why in the world would you send this trial to me? And those are the types of things that we can offer up.
0: Yeah, let's just turn to God and ask him. We can say that very easily by Jesus. I trust in you. You know, Lord, help me.
1: And sometimes in those situations, that's all we can say. I mean, just in fact, uh, you know, there are times when the Jesus prayer is all we can uh, uh, manage to give to our Lord. And he accepts that just saying, Jesus, Jesus over and over
0: right thank you and it's so simple but what counts here is not any kind of magical formula of words but you know the meaning from your heart you know Uh, and it could be just the glance of your heart it wouldn't even have to be a vocal spoken word it could just be that thought so this uh of course this is the center of divine mercy because the lord says one who is forgiven much um he loves much that, and that there's no greater love that man has than to lay down his life for his friends so to suffer so that it is a joy this perfects yourself uh because you're you're participating in the divine life more and more because you're following Christ in his footsteps to that cross and so uh this I think is very important and of course you know we look at Elijah and, you know, here he thought he was going to be murdered, you know, on the mountain because of the the bail crowd. Um, St. Teresa must have thought how badly she was mocked and how much she suffered um, at the hands of her own uh, religious and, and other religious around her uh, because of this reform of Carmel. And how, um, you know, people were actually so jealous of her. And then, of course, we know St. John of the Cross. He was imprisoned by his own disca- his own Carmelite friars, you know, uh, because they didn't understand, you know.
1: And I think it's important to point out, Francis, when we're talking about joy, we're not talking about some sort of masochistic, uh, you know, type of, uh, uh pleasure. We're talking about an inner joy that, uh, that we are suffering as Christ did, which, does not necessarily lessen the pain of what we're suffering in any way.
0: Yeah, I kind of think of it when a parent sees your child hurting and you're like, oh, if only I could take that instead of my child. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of love, Mm -hmm. that kind of sacrifice, uh, that is is great love. Mm -hmm. And when we unite that with Jesus on the cross, that brings us great mercy, doesn't it? Exactly. So there we have it, the five stages of mercy. And now we just want to go into talking about St. Therese the child Jesus, the little flower. And we had an article that we came across by a Dr. Robert Stackpole um, called Divine Mercy in the Autobiography of St. Therese. And we really thought that this was um, a beautiful article, so we wanted to to kind of hit some highlights from it. And he starts out by saying, you know, divine mercy was very central to the spirituality of St. Therese. This is the little flower. And that she literally begins and ends her autobiography, which is called The Story of a Soul, in Praise of God's Merciful Love. And there's a quote there about that. Um, And it's, it is you, dear mother, To you who are doubly my mother, to whom I come to confide the story of my soul. And she goes on and says, The day you asked me to do this, which means to write about her life, it seemed to me it would distract my heart by too much concentration on myself. I like that humility (laughs) there. But since then, Jesus has made me feel that in obeying simply, it would be pleasing to him and that was one of her big things, was pleasing God. She says, Besides, I'm going to be doing only one thing, and this is where I like to focus. I shall begin to sing what I must sing eternally, the mercies of the Lord.
1: It's beautiful.
0: Absolutely. So anyway, she is going to be talking about the mercies of the Lord. So um, one of the things that she talks about is imitating the conduct of the Magdalene. Can you tell us about that?
1: Well, Mary Magdalene, of course, is the uh, uh, the woman who uh, loved Jesus much uh, because she was forgiven so much. Uh, and it's interesting that she was one of the first, in fact, the first, uh, that Jesus appeared to after his resurrection at the tomb. Uh, and I like to think about, uh, you know, just as a, uh, uh, an image of how much that she loved our Lord because he had forgiven her so much by uh, just imagining what it must have been like when she met him at the tomb. And you'll remember that she didn't recognize him at first. And right. he asked her the same words or the same question that he asked the guards that were coming to arrest him before his resurrection, he he asked, whom are you looking for?
0: Mm, That's a a question for each of us, all of us.
1: Oh, exactly, exactly. And then Mary's eyes were opened and she fell down in front of him, not out of fear, not because she said, oh, my goodness, who have I found? It was out of love. And saying, Oh, my risen Lord. And I like to think about our Lord catching her in his arms and how, uh, uh, how. Tightly she held on and would not let go, and it took a divine yet gentle command to get her to let go. Mary, <laughs> do not you, Mary. Hold on to me. Yes. I have not yet risen to my Father, but just what gratitude she had in her heart for finding her risen Lord, for finding the one who loved her so much.
0: So, listeners, let's let's remember this example when um, thinking about God's mercy. And how much he wants us to come back to him. I know Therese in her words said, um, Yes, I feel it. Even though I had on my conscience all the sins that can be committed, I would go, my heart broken with sorrow, and throw myself into Jesus' arms. For I know how much he loves the prodigal child who returns to him. It is not because God in his anticipating mercy has preserved my soul from mortal sin that I go to him with confidence and love. So clearly, um, for Therese, this confidence and love in God's divine mercy is the foundation of her whole relationship with Jesus. Isn't that wonderful?
1: Well, and I think that's characterized by her great humility. I mean, she she uh, uh, was once asked Uh, During her life at Carmel, uh, someone had asked her, tell us what we must do to be as little children. What do you mean by keeping little? And she replied, we must keep little. uh, I'm sorry. When we keep little, we recognize our own nothingness and expect everything from God just as a little child expects everything from its father. Nothing worries us.
0: Oh, so when we're watching the little ones play, those toddlers, that should really bring this out. Because they depend on their parents, their caregivers for everything.
1: And they don't, you know, when they're playing, they're not worrying about, gee, I wonder where my next meal's coming from. Gee, I wonder if I'm safe. Gee, it's, it's just they have such confidence in their father.
0: Yes, and they are very much living in the present, which was another part of living uh, the spiritual childhood. They're not worried about what happened yesterday. They're not worried about what's going to happen after they finish playing. They're just playing.
1: (laughs) And they're not worried about what happened in the past. They've long forgotten that. And I think that's a, a good thing for us who tend to be scrupulous as well is that, well, I asked God to forgive me, but maybe I need to ask him again. You can be assured that he's forgiven you.
0: Absolutely. In fact, you know, um, it doesn't, God doesn't require us to be sinless in order to receive His mercy. Um, but He does require us to be merciful to others because Mm -hmm. He commands us to love God as we love our neighbor, Mm -hmm. as we love ourselves and love our neighbor.
1: Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us.
0: Oh, that's a biggie. So, and to be humble and This is a, this is a huge one. We, we've got to acknowledge our sins and repent. I'm thinking of John the Baptist. Repent, repent, prepare the way of the Lord, you know?
1: And repentance is not just, is, is distinct from sorrow. It is actually, Doing what we can, setting up the conditions such that we will not fall into such sin again. And so it's, it's actually taking some action in order to do that. Now, it may be the case that we will sin again, but then we repent again.
0: Right. And
1: so on. And so it's, it's honestly setting up the conditions such that in our best efforts, we will not do that sinning and taking ourselves out of the situation that might lead us to sin.
0: Absolutely. Well, you know, in Therese, from her earliest days, she had this uh, experience of this divine mercy. And one would say that this was even a great light of her life and a grace that was proper to her mission. Um, she really delved into it very deeply. And, and you know, the Lord kept bringing this to other saints uh, of her time and even after her time, and, of course, now to St. Faustina that uh, really uh, had accented this particular attribute of the Lord. But here's what Therese says um, on the mercy of God. She says, The mercy of God was the illuminating or or this was said about her. The mercy of God was the illuminating son of her soul, that which to her eyes threw light upon all the mystery of God in his relations with man. And she herself says, well, you know, all souls cannot be alike. They must differ so that each divine perfection may receive special honor. To me, he has manifested his infinite mercy. And in this resplendent mirror, I contemplate his other attributes. There each appears radiant with love. I really like that. This resplendent mirror of mercy.
1: Well, and she goes on, and this I can just imagine her bursting with uh, uh, gratitude and love and praise. She writes, Oh, my dear mother, after so many graces, can I not sing with the psalmist, How good is the Lord, his mercy endures forever.
0: Yes, from Psalm 117, right? Exactly. Oh, Well, now, what does is, what is Therese say about mercy and justice? Can you talk about that?
1: Well, uh, uh, mercy and justice is... They're basically God's perfection and are expressions of His merciful love. And I like to think of, uh, 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 His, uh, mercy being a perfection of His justice. I mean, God is all just, He's all merciful, and in justice, He could condemn each and every one of us. And yet, if we think about that as a perfection, His mercy being a perfection of His justice, it just, redounds to him even greater glory that he would be so merciful.
0: Yeah, I think Therese says something about, well, you know, even his justice takes account of our weakness and mm-hmm. our involuntary imperfections. Of course, he knows what we go through. You know, Jesus became man, went through what it's like to be human, and in that sense, his justice has great mercy.
1: Mm-hmm. So, Well, and I think of that as a corollary between that uh, uh, passage in St. Paul where Power is made perfect in weakness. Mm -hmm. Justice is made perfect in mercy. Now, St. Paul didn't say that, but I see
0: a correlation
1: correlation
0: there. (laughs) Well, thank God for that. (laughs) So Therese is saying that God takes into account our weakness, that he's perfectly aware of our fragile nature. She says, well, what should I fear then? Ah, must not the infinitely just God who deigns to pardon the faults of the prodigal son with so much kindness... Be just also toward me, who am with him always. (laughs) I really like that.
1: (laughs) Well, so let me ask you a question then. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. So given that he's going to forgive us everything and he's so anxious to forgive us, then what are we worried about sinning for? I mean, can't we just, okay, well, there we are.
0: Well, I think we need to um, show our love by not sinning because sin hurts jesus Mm -hmm. we see what it looks like when we see the manifestation of sin and all those wounds on the cross so we show our love by stopping sinning and of course we're not perfect we fall and a good man what falls seven times a day that's a good one (laughs) (laughs) um so i i think we we um, obviously are not perfect, and we know that about ourselves. But isn't this a great opportunity to keep turning in dependence upon God? Just like those little children depend on their caregivers, on their parents, so should we, in this spiritual realm, mm-hmm. put our full dependence on God, that even when we get dirty or get hurt, you know, we turn to him and raise up our arms and like, you know, Abba, Father, Papa, you know, and he with that divine elevator, which mm-hmm. Therese said that the divine elevator was his arms bending down gently to pick us up and bring us up to him.
1: And I, I, I that's perfect. And I go back to the image of the divine and human lovers to where if we're really in love with God, if we're really wanting to do everything we can to please him, then that that thought would never even enter our minds. I mean think about what kind of lover it would be to say, well, yeah, they don't like this, but eh, they'll forgive me. I mean, no. It's a mutual love between two people who are deeply in love and something that would that would never even enter your mind.
0: Absolutely. That is so beautiful. So now where does that lead us? Um Well, you know, Therese and Faustina both, they made an oblation to God. And Therese, at the end of the book, Story of a Soul, which was actually... Three manuscripts put together that compiled that book, uh, which she was ordered to write. So it wasn't like she was picking up her pen and writing voluntarily. And, and also St. Faustina, when she wrote her diary, uh, she was commanded by her spiritual director to write this diary. So, But both of them make this act of oblation. And in Therese's book, Story of a Soul, it is an oblation to God's merciful love. And she has this quote there. She says, you permitted me, dear mother, to offer myself in this way to God, because she's offering herself as a victim soul of God's merciful love. Now, before we go on. Um, let's talk about that term victim. soul." what does that mean?
1: Well, it harkens back to that uh, a fifth form of mercy where we want to unite ourselves with the sacrifice of Christ. So just as Christ was a victim, then we offer ourselves up in union with him to be a victim soul for the salvation of sinners.
0: And in a sense, uh, Therese and St. Faustina both were taking on the punishment due to sins of others to bring them God's grace and mercy. Exactly. So they were being like, you know, these strong pillars of the faith, mm-hmm. you know, like, okay, hit me, hit me, instead of them, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but they were doing that in union with Christ. It's not on their own power by any means. Sure. But they were doing it in union with Christ. So this is a sense of what this victim soul is. So Therese is saying, okay, you permitted me, dear mother, this was the superior, um, to offer myself in this way to God. And you know the rivers, or rather, I love this, the oceans of graces Mm -hmm. that flooded my soul. Ah, since the happy day, it seems to me that love renews me, purifying my soul and leaving no trace of sin within it, and I need have no fear of purgatory. I know that of myself I would not merit even to enter that place of expiation." Since only holy souls can have entrance there. But I also know, and I love this part, that the fire of love is more sanctifying than the fire of purgatory.
1: So she was basically asking to suffer her purgatory on earth for the salvation of sinners.
0: Which we want to do, right? Absolutely. Let's do it now. <laughs> Tress, please pray for us and help us. And St. Faustina, too, because she did the same thing. After St. Faustina's act of oblation, she had much suffering. Uh, of course, they each have a different um, accent, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, in God's perfections, uh, bringing lights about god's mercy and how they work with souls uh on behalf of god for god and you know it's all to to bring us to this great love right Mm -hmm. so anyway uh we come to how does the story of the little flower come to an end And she says perhaps the little flower will be plucked in her youthful freshness or else transported to other shores. I don't know. But what I am certain about is God's mercy will accompany her always, that it will never cease blessing the dear mother who offered her to Jesus. She will rejoice eternally at being one of the flowers of her crown. And with this, dear mother, she will sing eternally the new canticle of love. And that's how she starts to end this book of the story of the soul.
1: Well, it's such a great act of faith. I mean, she essentially has just placed herself in God's hands in all simplicity, in all confidence, uh, in all uh, joy that God do with me as you will.
0: And, you know, they both suffered a great deal. So we're not saying this is easy. We're just saying that we all have suffering and we can all contribute our little part in our little way, in our little life, in union with Jesus to bring down God's mercy. In fact, um, in this great suffering, we also know that uh, St. Faustina is, in reciting that chaplet of divine mercy that that, uh, Jesus would say, would stand between that soul and heaven and would bring them great graces at their last hour. So, you know, if you know somebody who is uh, approaching death's door, go to them and pray this chaplet of the divine mercy with them and you will help participate in bringing God's mercy to that soul.
1: It's such an act of uh, uh, grace and mercy when we do that for people. Oftentimes we think, what can I do? Well, this is one of the most important things you can do is praying for souls, especially those that are so close to death, because so often they feel so alone and they need the presence of our Lord with them.
0: Absolutely. And, of course, we could go on and on, but um, here we are getting near the end of our hour. And so um, before we end, I just wanted to remind you that um, you can email us, even even off of our live hour, uh, at carmelite.conversations at yahoo.com. And Carmelite is with a big C. I think that's important. <laughs> and uh, we also have the Facebook page at Carmelite Conversations. And you can archive our programs on www.radiomaria.us. You can uh, listen to them on your computer through these programs that are archived. And I just learned tonight that Carmelite Conversations is now being rebroadcast four times during the week. So thank you, God, for that. It's going to be Sunday at noon, Mondays at 7 p.m. Of course, we are live. Wednesdays at 2 a.m. and Saturdays at 7 p.m. And there might be one more in there. I'm not sure. But um, anyway, so if you want to catch us on the radio, you can um, at those times and um, as always we want to end this hour with prayer but um, first I want to thank you Deacon Baldwin for again coming and being with us. Oh
1: it's been my pleasure thank you for inviting me.
0: You are so good at, at giving a perspective on, on you know some of this because of your background, your training and you being a Carmelite too you know there's a great interest there so we're such a joy to have you please come back and join us okay?
2: I will thank All you.
0: Alright right. Um, so listeners now we're going to close our hour we'll We'll come back next week. Mark Danis will be back with us and we'll pick up on the second of the series on the devotion to the Holy face. And now let us end with a prayer.
1: This is from St. Faustina's diary, paragraph nine fifty. in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. Amen. Eternal God in whom mercy is endless and the treasury of compassion, inexhaustible look kindly upon us and increase your mercy in us that in difficult moments we might not despair nor become despondent, but with great confidence submit ourselves to your holy will, which is love and mercy itself. Amen. Amen. And may Almighty God bless each and every one of you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.
0: Amen. Thank you, Deacon Bodwin. Thank you, listeners. God bless you.